Um, Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Life. I'm here today with Steve from work. Steve, how you doing? Hi, I'm Steve from work. I'm doing great. <laughs> um, all righty, Steve, what's on your mind? What you got for our Modern Thoughts segment? So, okay, so I actually never knew this whole Mo Mamba thing was actually like a real phenomenon. Like, it's what is so that? much. Yeah, it's called Mo Mamba. It's a song. I'm not really too sure who the artist is by. I don't really listen to like, I guess, modern rap anymore. But yeah, it's supposedly supposed to be like this crazy song that people just go bananas for. It's by Sheck West. Yeah. I've so never heard apparently, it. have I heard it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's one of those things where I honestly uh, would listen. I would watch this one thing I uh, watch on a Snapchat thing. It's called a uh, Barstool sports or some shit, something like that and they would just kind of like play back on mo mamba and everyone would be mobbing like a sea of white kids just mobbing and going nuts i'm not sure if it's just white kids i'm pretty sure it's everyone but apparently it became so popular that now it's dead like they just like filmed some kids just like going crazy on a, like a trampoline like circuit like dojo boom or something like that yeah, it's insane. Like I didn't, I actually never knew. It came and went as fast as I found out about it. But yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna Mo have Mamba. to Google it after this. I honestly just just do Mo Mamba College, and you'll just see a bunch of college kids going ham on it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, anything else you got? Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Bad Baby has kind of been up in the news a lot. What's Bad Baby? <laughs> what, is, what are all these things? Oh, bad. Oh, you don't know about Bad Baby? Damn, no. girl. <laughs> so, Bad Baby, like, became that meme where um, she was like, uh, catch me outside. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so she became a rapper. And no, so, shut up. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% serious on this. Like, you can actually, like, YouTube it right now. Like, Bad Baby. Like, B-H-E-A, or no, B-H-A-D. B H A B I E. I think that's how you spell it. But yeah, bad baby, like full on rapper. She like took the opportunity of like her fame and yeah, how urban she uh, sounds, <laughs> and and just went with it. Wait, is the music actually good? Uh, come on, I mean honestly, she's like fifteen years old. I mean like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I I'm, look. I'm not, I'm not hating on anyone that's like 15 years old and trying to like do a music career, but like, I'm just saying, like, I'm not expecting the best out of, I'm not expecting like the new Eminem to come out of this, but, but maybe that can happen. I don't know. I'm just saying like, my expectations are like, hey, can she like, you know, complete a sentence? That's my, those are my expectations. <laughs> That's that's honestly uh, yeah, Bad Baby's been like popping up lately, and I've just kind of been checking her out, like 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 just clicking on her links, and apparently they they have like a reality Snapchat show about her now. So I was like, huh, it's 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 quite hilarious. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna have to Google that as soon as we're done here. <laughs> um, so the thing that I wanted to recommend is actually a YouTube channel called Pop Culture Detective. Um, and he puts out videos, um, that are like video essays, 
so they're they have like a script and they're edited really you know it's like a really well done video like the latest one that he had was um the way sexual harassment against men is treated always as a joke in movies and i've been like railing against this like all i think just the other day i stopped watching a movie because they had like a a rape joke about men and i'm like this isn't funny i'm turning this movie off so it's yeah yeah no that's actually that's just really funny because um well, not funny like as in haha but funny because i just saw something uh like terry cruz i think his name yeah, is yeah like, he did I mean, uh, mention him in the video so terry cruz did to his um ass- assaultant assaulter his mm-hmm. whatever yeah whatever that word is yeah. um for sexual harassment um and he's become kind of like a very important spokesperson against that so the video kind of dives into that as well all right so let's dive into the main topic casino royale it's a movie from 2006 and i have never taken this many notes on something before steve so if (laughs) i feel like we're gonna be here a while all right let's get to it man i went deep i went like i've seen all the special features on the dvd like oh oh god oh you had you oh you went like like cavity deep yeah (laughs) Yeah. And so the reason I wanted to do this movie, listeners, was because I'd only seen of the new Bond films, I'd only seen Sky and Fall, and I'd refused to watch Casino Royale because I checked out the book like, oh, I'm just going to read all the James Bond books. And it was a real struggle to get through this one because it is so, so misogynistic. And the movie kind of takes that source material and turns it on its on its head. So I really appreciate so the movie wait. for... So what you're saying that the movie's actually better than the book? Oh yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Oh my god, that's such a rarity these days. Like I never hear that ever. Yeah, there's a few I could think of: uh, Bridget Jones' Diary, Drive, Far from the Madding Crowd. Yeah, there's a few movies I would say are better, better than the book. Oh, um, see, that's that's such a refreshing one because I never read. So you know, to say that <laughs> yeah, a movie's this... better is like yeah. I'm this book too. was tough. This book was really tough, and I did not go back and like reread passages for this podcast because, like, it's well, just—it's a lot. Well, I mean, so. like, uh, to be honest, I mean, the 007 series is just like a very much a—it's uh, a fantasy of male, uh, you know, just just a prowess. Like, it's it's a male fantasy. So I mean, yes, like, have- I would say that for the movies, but in the book. Bond is not this like charming character like he just is brooding in his hotel room and has like pages and pages of dialogue of how women aren't people and they're only there for recreation for men and like it's not sexy you know what I mean like he's not I think the character they've created from the movies is 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 kind of this iconic you know classy you know tux and it's it's not at all like that in the books, I would say. Mm, okay, so they just kind of make him to be just kind of this fucking frat boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like this frat boy with a gun. It's like, damn, that's that's rough. <laughs> so were you when I first watched this movie and it starts out? I was like, is this movie in black and white? You know how it starts out black and white. <laughs> My brother goes. Like, just keep you like grandma it. all of a sudden, like reverse grandma. Like, <laughs> this movie in black and white. I remember when they were in color. What? Technicolor. 
<laughs> I'm going, sorry. How did you like the intro? Do you like the intro with the like cartoony like cards and? Well, the intro, like, are you talking about the intro, like, scene or the intro, like, the actual... The song, like, the song playing and the animations well, and... Well, I never really liked those kind of things, to be honest. I feel like the oh, rules really? are kind of... Yeah, I honestly think, like, those kind of introductions are really kind of old-fashioned. And Well, I mean, that's I get that that's what they're going for as far as being, being like, an homage to, like, the old Bond films because that's what they were, like, this sexy... Like someone singing, like very and the sultry. silhouettes and the yeah. yeah. It's like I, I get it. I just I feel like we we can move on from that. Like you can still pay an homage to Double uh, Seven without still you know knocking on the door of his uh, you know you're knocking on his front door. Just I I just don't think that that's something that you really need to go through because I just feel like it's easy. You know, like it's I just feel like it's like I feel like for as gritty and real this was that was just kind of like okay like is this going to be another james bond film from like you know nine from 1990s you know like i don't i I just i wanted something new and different but i understand what they're going for it it's not necessarily my cup of tea but i i understand gotcha gotcha yeah i really i really enjoy those opening sequences but i actually really like your take on it um and Something I did not know is apparently all the Bond films start with him walking into, you know, no, walking to the side, then looking towards the screen and shooting, and then you have the gun barrel and the blood coming down. Right, right. Um, and apparently that's always the opening, and for this one they delayed it until after he has those two kills in the black and white because they were like, oh, it's not, he's not a double O yet, so we can't have that intro yet. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that's. A, I think the intro scene was amazing, uh, just because this is the first look at what Double Seven is and who he is as Double O Seven. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole black and white was like very symbolic and like, right? You know, and like before this, he was kind of like he he wasn't who he is now. And yeah. even so, like even so, like when saying like he won the first kill, he's like he made you feel it, didn't he? Like the first kill, killing someone, killing like someone that requires your hands. Like, especially when 007 is going to be something that's going to be more frequent, you know? Yeah. Like, and so, like, that psychological, those, that, everything that came with it, too, like, with becoming a 007 is that it's like, you, you're not, you're not, you can't be the same person. Like, the first guy or the guy, he's that guy that, uh, that's sitting down with a gun. He's like, I, I don't feel like you're a threat because I don't see that loss in you yet, which makes him, which makes him, like, even a better 007. Because he's disguising that that torture that he feels from like killing someone, you know. So, so I feel yeah. like that was a great scene. Yeah. Um, so next we have the Madagascar scene uh, in the construction area, and while the stunts and those are absolutely amazing, I'm not a huge fan of this whole sequence. Oh why? Um. So I kind of. I kind of want to recognize and honor the insane work that went into building this set and getting Sebastian, what's his name, Foucault. He's the bad guy in that scene, and he's the one of the founders of parkour. So the whole thing of him running around and they're jumping from crane to crane, and that's something they actually did. It's not CGI. You know, it's it absolutely just fantastic and amazing. Um, but 
narrative wise what is happening in that scene is just because we go from James Bond like don't touch your Mike, we need him alive to like mowing down all of Madagascar. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also, yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah, but keep going. And like when he's in the digger, like getting into that construction site, like, yeah, that's really cool. But like, how did you know that person was going to slow down and hide behind there? Why did you get in the digger? Like, it, narratively, I'm like, it's it's just a little, it's just a bit much. Oh, and I did also Google if diggers have bulletproof glass. And a lot of the time they actually do because it protects the person in the digger from like debris and rock flying at you. So I did not know this. Yeah, so boom. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, Tabby. <laughs> it's not just ridiculous because I actually yeah, I saw the same scene and I was singing the exact same thing. Yeah, and right. Then, like, <laughs> And I was like, this fool does not give a fuck. Like this guy just like just he doesn't like he doesn't care. Uh, he want he is determined. I think that's what I think what I liked about the scene. I do agree that it was just kind of out of character, but we have to also kind of reel ourselves back is that like this is 007 at his infancy. Like he hasn't learned the like the art of just stealth yet. And so or that coolness. There's very little spy work in this film, yeah. which I didn't realize until I like rewatched it. This is no like yeah, this Tinker guy's just Taylor like, looking at cameras yeah. and shit. I'm like, what? What are you doing, bro? <laughs> that that part I didn't get. Like, sure, there's a camera there, but isn't he supposed to be a secret agent? All of a yeah, sudden, right? every newspaper it's like MI6 messed up. And I'm like, how does everyone know that he's a secret? <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the, what gets to me is that he makes direct eye contact with the camera it's not like oh like he just kind of messed up no he's like no you can look at me you can look at my face like what uh, dude everyone's after you okay but i think what the narrative was about that uh that scene was actually really really uh exposing of who the character is it taught it told us that 007 is reckless yeah. he's he's determined and also, like, he hasn't really honed in on his skills being a 007 yet. You know? It's just uh, 100% agree with everything you've said. But I think it's just tough seeing... Because there's so many people who die in that sequence. Like, the construction worker falling to his death. Um, ah. You know, it, he's just taking out, like, an embassy. And it's like the British colonialist white guy going into this place and just taking out a bunch of like people of color and then there are no repercussions for that and these spy movies that are like CIA MI6 like the latest Tom Cruise Mission Impossible it's almost feels like a little bit of propaganda where we're not supposed to question the people who have your best Mm. interest at heart and that's not that's not reality you know that's not well, no, I no, I, I actually do because when I was when I was younger, back in two thousand six, uh, I was a wee boy of uh, I think I was like what I think it was twenty two something like that. I was I was still a kid pretty much, you know. I'm thirty four now, just in case if anyone's listening and wondering who the fuck is this guy. Uh, so I'm I'm like up there as far as I hope maturity and kind of perspective goes. Um, when I first saw this movie, I actually had no idea what the plot was because I didn't care what the plot right. was. 
Right. You know, like I wanted, you know, I wanted explosions and yeah, like look at this world just going off and just exploding everything and just, you know, like it's it's like a teenager like going off like if it's like this oversized brute just going off on everyone to get what he wants. Yeah. You know? And there is that scene of M commenting on it, like, oh, we can't run a country with these maniacs running around. But then there are no repercussions for either James Bond or the UK as a country. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's it's honestly most of those undertones I honestly ignored because uh, all I wanted was for 007 to get his man. And again, it goes back to the whole. Um, male perspective or male, male gaze of like, okay, like, this is what I want. You know, I get what I want, no matter what's in my way. Mm. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to get what I want. And that's called That goes with the whole misogyny thing as well. Because, yeah, well, up until like uh, last year or two years ago, the whole Me Too movement, like, is very much like that. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to get what I want, no matter what's in my way. Like, your, your sex is what I want. You know, and so it's, it's very much a... a, a, a placating to those male fantasies of like getting what you want so now yeah. that i'm older and can analyze these kind of these uh these undertones it's it's a lot more clear for me but it's up to me if i want to actually you know play into that or just kind of analyze it which i can do both because i'm at the age i am where i, I can make a decision for myself yeah but. that's that's kind of my relationship with this movie too where i'm like this is really cool like i but at the same time i have to look at it critically like i like your fave is problematic kind of like that yeah. you know <laughs> like, also like doing that chase scene in the construction when they move from the building to like the welding area everyone's still just working and i'm like yeah there's like explosions and police are coming, but this group of people is just like, nah, I gotta do my job. Like, like, it's very, it's very Kafka-esque. Like, it's just, it's ignoring what is actually important and just kind of going along while things around you are fucking going to pieces. Like, <laughs> like it's just, I mean, honestly, that's like, oh, that's weird. I better keep on welding. <laughs> Don't want my boss to, to yell at me. <laughs> Like what, <laughs> bro? You should get out. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um. So can I say that Judy Dench is a total baller, and I love her. <laughs> oh, dude. Like she. See, as much as they um they make James uh like a boss and this this force to work with, they actually do a really great job to like kind of make really strong female characters as well. Yeah, so for example in M's apartment which is just such a gorgeous apartment they purposefully made her uh, entrance higher up than where he's sitting because they wanted to establish that she's always she's always in control and she's always the boss and like he's being the petulant kind of child if that makes sense and I also love like her whole outfit she's the jewelry she's wearing reminds me of like the constellation like star jewelry you can buy i don't know it's just very like classy and yeah she's she's very beautiful in this well like i want to actually talk about the the whole dynamic between m and and james oh please a go little ahead. bit yes i think the movie skyfall kind of goes into this a little bit more too if i remember correctly yeah yeah i think so too 
Um, yeah. But pretty much, like, I just, I mean, from just judging from this film, it's very much like M stands for mom, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it's very symbolic when it comes to, like, you know, master, mom, like, just code word. It even stands for, like, her name, I guess, because even indicates that i absolutely love how she is kind of a mom to james because he fucked up he fucked up big and like everyone's after him as far as like turning him into like for those consequences and she's like i'm i'm really close to considering giving them to you you know or giving him to them Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and turning like and, and turning my back to you because but like a mom he's not she's not gonna do that because he, I mean, she sees something in her, and she sees something in him that that resembles greatness. As far as he, him, just kind of causing a fucking mess of a situation. As far as diplom, uh, uh, diplomacy goes, he's mm-hmm. pretty much like like it's pretty much World War Two. If this was any other country or World right. War Three, I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, she. You know, is strong. He's like, no, I'm not going to give you James. Why? What? What? So why wouldn't you? Like, I feel like if it was any other person, she would. You know. But then you also have so, that dialogue later where he goes, "You knew I wasn't going to let this drop," and she goes, "I knew you were you." You know, she kind of. Yeah. She's one of the few people like Vesper, I think, who sees through him. Yeah, that's so. true. I mean, like it's yeah. it in, in a lot of ways to the people he. uh uh, he's closest to like he's very predictable you know which yeah. is kind of a bad thing when it comes to like you know trying to be one step ahead of your goal yeah and another instance of him just trying to grow into that role of bond for me is when he parks the car of the german guys and he wrecks like a million other cars around him and i'm like Ooh. Was that really necessary? Like, come on, dude. Like, this isn't a bond that's, like, suave and slick and, like, respectful, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, he's... Like, if, like I feel like he... Uh, what's your Vespa actually really hits home when um, she's analyzing him. Yeah. Um, about being an orphan boy and, like, not coming for money but went to Oxford. Like, where does she... But hates it. He's not really like a rich person that became like a spy he's very much like a like a commoner and one that kind of kind of hates the whole status quo of Mm. just like money money can buy you anything and money can buy you out of anything i think in later movies we find out that he his family did come from money which is kind of interesting as to like that whole like why do you hate yourself kind of thing as far as vespa vespa analyzing him goes and him just kind of not really appreciating or not really liking how rich people act. I think that was really cool because it makes him relatable because most men, especially the ones that are watching this, aren't rich. You know, they, they if anything, they are working class guys who feel like they're, you know, the, the plight of the working man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that feel that their masculinity is taken away by, you know, richer men. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I understand it. Like, again, I don't agree with it. I feel like fucking suck it up, buttercup. Like, just kind of, like, do your thing and be a better person. But but yeah. in any case, um, when it comes to this, uh, he's he's exemplifying that, no, he is a self-made man, pretty much. 
Um, and then the scene where the woman is riding the horse on the beach, that scene to me is almost, it's almost comical. Yeah, no. But I'm not sure if they're making fun of Bond movies or if it's legit supposed to be sexy because it's... No, like, I feel like it's legit supposed to be sexy. Like, oh. no, I laughed too. I was, I was having a good time. I was like, oh, okay. So it was just titties bouncing. All right. And all the, like, kids, kids of the village are running after her, like, like black kids just like running after her. like yeah like what what is going on like i wouldn't run after a horse like why why would i do that like horses kick back man <laughs> i just bad, that's, one that's bad parenting two like that is just that is just oh my god that is just like a class differentiator if i ever saw one (laughs) um yeah but something i thought was really interesting is that scene where bond is coming out of the water um i was listening to the costume designer's commentary and she said she intentionally put bond in this like really skimpy like uh bathing suit whatever it's called um, yeah, and she kind of shorts, right? And she wanted to mirror that scene of Halle Berry coming out of the ocean because she was like, the new Bond is like just as hot as like all the all the Bond girls, if that makes sense. I don't know. I thought yeah. it was interesting. So yeah, no, like in that, in that sense, like I feel like it was kind of like trying to be different, you know? Because yeah. like you know, because this, this fool is jacked, man. Like I want to have that body. I'm looking over here with my cheeseburger in my hand. I'm like, fuck, I gotta make some changes. <laughs> 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 like and this fool is like what 50 look he looks 50 because he's like that beat up but he yeah. is he does look he does look older and yeah. so and so yeah like the fact that he is just kind of this you know greek god coming out of water it's like fuck dude like it's not it's it's a little homoerotic but at the same time like i think the guys dig it because they feel like okay well it's not it's not gay because he's you know he's He's fucking smashing shit, right? <laughs> like, like I, I just I like I like how he looks because you know he's banging chicks though, right? <laughs> and I think this franchise, from what I've seen, this new one is really trying to move away from that. Like, if I'm thinking back to that scene with Javier Bardem in Skyfall, where he's like coming on to Bond, and Bond's like, "I've done this before. I'm cool with it." You know, it's yeah. not the like no homo jokes. It's like. Bond's comfortable with his sexuality, which I really like. So. Yeah, no, honestly, like if you're gonna be a spy man, that means you gotta be able to persuade both sexes. Yep. Um. So there were a few deleted scenes in this, and you know where the the evil guy Demetrius loses his car to Bond. He's like betting it at the poker table. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was this whole scene where they're like on the phone with Geico, and they have to switch over the insurance and do like the title and like. Just kidding, there wasn't, but... <laughs> I was like, fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can think of in that scene. Like, you're just winning this car. Like, don't you have to fill out, like, a bunch of paperwork? <laughs> nah, man. It's, it's the Bahamas. It's fucking... It's a wild west over here. <laughs> They're, like, in line at the DMV, like... <laughs> <laughs> nah, baby. If you have something, that's your keys. That's yours now. That's how it is. Oh no, no, like I, I think it just like the whole handoff of power is uh kinda interesting because obviously that Aston Martin was like a very much a symbol of his mm-hmm. of his mm-hmm. manhood, you know, and being able to just give that away. Like or just get being taken away, I should say. 
you know, was actually pretty cool. I mean, like, I don't know. It just, it just says another thing about Bond, about like how if, like, because the guy was really trying to like give away his money. Like he was like, oh, let me bet $20,000. <laughs> like, well, let me build my car. And then like Bond's just like sitting back. He's like, okay, all right. Not saying anything. He's just smiling at him. And then like the dealer is the one saying like, no, man, come on. What are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. And then finally he's like, no, that's all right. Like, let him, let him try to win his back his money. Like, let him, let him regain his manhood again if he wants to. Like, if this is his way, then let him do it. Like, he's not, uh, that's what I like. I think I love about this bond is that he never tries to, like, impose his, his manhood on anyone. He just, he is who he is. And based on that, if anyone challenges him, he is going to win. Because that's much. That's how much of a man he is, you know. <laughs> and I, uh, when I say man, I, I, I base it on the the parameters of having control. Because when you are, uh, when he does shit where he loses control, I don't see that as being like a, a man. I don't think that. I don't think that being an adult. I should say, like I think anyone who, male or female, if you lose control of a situation, and you're fucking. Uh, doing a little little tantrum i feel like that's the the embodiment of like of a child not men or women it's kind of impossible to talk about bond without all this almost baggage i want to say of this type of masculinity that he stands for right like yeah no like i i i, I feel i almost feel like a fucking muslim i feel muslim what is, what's that word Mas- misogyny Misogyny? Misogyny. Ah, okay. Misogynistic. Ah, there you are. I almost feel because I there's there is part of me uh, that uh, that wants that 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 wants to align my views with that. You know that yeah, like uh, I want to have a really great car. Yeah, I mean yeah, I do have a, a beautiful woman, Sarah Manheim. If you're listening to this. <laughs> Um, I do want those parameters in my life that kind of make me envious of other males. They make it very attractive. I kind of want to talk about that uh, really terrible sexy talk that Bond has with Demetrius's wife when they're rolling around on the carpet Um, because (laughs) it's kind of so bad, but I think it's supposed to be bad. Like when they're like, why can't nice guys be like you then they'd be bad guys he 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 like it's just (laughs) but i think they do that on purpose because then when you have that contrasted with him and vesper speaking and it's very like rapid fire quick and they're you know you can see why these two people are attracted to each other because then you also have the contrast of his complete non-reaction to her death in the hammock and when Vesper dies, it's it's very dramatic. Like it influences him a lot. So we kind of have that journey from from his from him like starting to feel. So when it comes to uh, Katrina Marino, I think that's her name. Her her dialogue's very much like save me, save me. You know, like oh yeah, I have a bad boyfriend, save me. Uh, feel sorry for me, save me. Like, she's cheating on her husband, obviously, so, like, loyalty is not really a thing. She's opportunistic, and so, like, that's kind of, like, how we have to talk about these kind of, like, these undertones because she's only, I mean, she's been, I'm assuming that this is not a new thing for her, that she's very, 
acclimated into the fact that she is being like used and abused and uh, kind of like talked to in a manner where it's not respectful and just kind of like, okay, this is what in my life, but at least I have money, at least I'm comfortable. You know, I can ride horses on the beach. <laughs> um, but it is interesting that you bring that up because Vesper, she takes matters into her own hand, you know, and Demetrius's wife is very, she almost has nowhere to go you know, without her husband, like, finding out and coming after her, so. No, no, exactly. Like, yeah. she's very much, like, just, like, a helpless, uh, opportunistic being that just kind of, you know, I, I honestly don't think she really thinks about the consequences. Like, she is out with Bond, and, like, well, Demetrius is just, like, still, like, kind of running about. Like, I don't know. Either she knows the character of her husband so well that she knows that she won't be missed, like, for hours on end, or she doesn't care, which in both cases are just kind of, like, awful. So the next cut here is so strange to me um, because it goes from him in the Ashton Martin driving to him being in the taxi cab in Miami, and it, it it's not a mistake. Watching the commentary, they were very proud of this cut. But I'm like, it's super confusing because you're like, wait, where is he? He's already in Miami and there's no thing on the bottom. And they always have a thing on the bottom of like saying what country they're in, if they're in a new country. Right. And they don't have it here, like like US or something like that. So mm -hmm. this, this cut is always really strange to me, especially because these movies are really international and I don't expect everyone you know, people all over the world to know where he is based on the green street signs, you know? I, I, mean? I honestly don't, like, I have no idea where he's at, like, half the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just see, like, oh, man, that'd be a really cool place to visit, like, but I don't know where it is. Like, it's some beach lake in, like, that has a castle. Like, I have no idea where that is. Like, <laughs> and it's sunny, so I know it's not Britain. Like... <laughs> Oh, the next sequence at the Body Worlds is, like, so frustrating. Because he's not wearing any sort of disguise, like, not even a hat. And he's, like, following this guy around who obviously recognizes him. And then he loses track of, like, the bag right away after killing the guy. And <laughs> it's just so frustrating to watch. It's like the worst spy in the world. Like, 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 wait, if I just hide behind this glass box real quick. <laughs> yeah. It's not like he has like very recognizable features either way. Like it's not like his eyes are piercing blue or right. <laughs> you know. Oh, Which, by God. the way, they 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 do do that a lot. They they make it a point to kind of focus in on the eyes a lot, especially James's eyes, because like they I, I feel like they pop out way more oh, than they man. should. Right? There's no Milan in there, none whatsoever. Right? It's just. It's like that Cyclops character from X-Men that has the laser mm -hmm. eyes. Well, well, it's almost like that. I just can't take it, man. I'm just like, why? Why Why are you looking at me? <laughs> this is uncomfortable. <laughs> and I feel like that uncomfortable gaze is just kind of like staring at everyone. It's like, oh, this fool's... Why is this guy looking at me? Oh, it's James. Oh, I'm going to kill this fool. <laughs> also, how does he get in the airport? Did he buy a ticket just in case? Like, how did he know this chase was going to end up at the airport? Like, ah, oh, man, this, there's <laughs> a lot. I feel like if we try to break it down, it'd be like an episode of Family Guy 
where it's just like you see just James is kind of doing like, all right, can I get a ticket for this flight? It's like, oh, that flight's full. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All the red tape that goes along with just trying to get into the airport. And also, like, why is there... Why are they bringing the plane out? This like new special plane, and there's police cars like chasing them. Don't these people have radios? Like, hey, everybody, be safe! There's a maniac coming towards you. Yet everyone is like surprised. Like, oh no! <laughs> Run! <laughs> let's go! Let's go! It's like, bro, you should have saw this coming. I would have saw this coming. Like, oh, what's going on? Oh, okay. Like, I just saw a car, a cop car just flip over. All right, maybe we should all leave, dude. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like, again, I think it just plays into the whole recklessness of uh, James. Like, the, the airplane is pretty much the goal. And no matter how ugly or reckless the, the process is to achieve it, he's willing to go through those methods. Like, he's not going to sacrifice style. You know, he is sacrificing style for uh, for um, for the main purpose, which is like saving as many people as possible. Do you have a lot but, of like woolen clothes on? Because there's like still this rustling sound. You know what? You okay, the the Wookiee suit is coming off. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Wookiee! <laughs> Thought this is gonna be a warm little session of me talking about Casino Royale, but I guess I have to freeze now. All right, so I forgot how long this movie was. It takes a while before we even get to the casino. Oh my god! Like no, like it's. I I had to like break this movie up in like a couple of days because I honestly don't have the time because right. yeah. I I have school, I have work, I have projects, I have all this other stuff, and so like yeah, I want to watch it and so kind of refresh my memory. And last night I uh, I was like, oh yeah, I'm like halfway into it. It's still like an hour and a half left. <laughs> like what? It's like, damn, man. Like, all right. Like, it's entertaining. Like, I think that's what that's what's so great about this movie. I mean, like, trying not to analyze it that much anymore is that if you just go along for the ride, it's very entertaining. Yeah. Like, if if you're trying to pick up on the plot points, it's kind of confusing because you're because they tell you about they tell you the why after everything that just went down. So after going through that whole adrenaline ride. They kind of try to explain what they they try to like. It's like trying to explain a kid about like mathematics after you just give him a whole bowl of sugar. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not gonna listen to you right now, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew right now. Get off of me. Oh, man. And so like I I find myself like trying to really focus in. I'm like, all right, what is going on? Why? Why is the guy with the bleeding eye like so pissed off? Like, why is why is anyone playing poker right now? Like, I want like all these questions. Like, I never really asked when I was younger because he lost just, all the I, money from all the bad investments, and now he has to. Yeah, no, that I mean, I got that now. Like, okay, I understood okay. that now. <laughs> I'm just saying, like back back when I was a kid, I was like, no, I don't fucking care. They're playing poker now. Fuck yeah, like let's do this. Um, I love the casino sequence. In the book, they play Baccarat. And I think it's actually a very, very smart choice to change it to poker because more people are familiar with it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also takes less explaining. Oh, my God. There's this whole chapter in the book 
of Bond explained to Vesper what gambling is. And it's so <laughs> patronizing and insulting. And like, why would she not know what it is if she's on this assignment? But she's just listening to it like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. I never knew what a bluff was like. And in the movie, they take that scene and they kind of mirror it when they're on the train. And then she calls them out on it. She's like, yeah, I know what gambling is. Stop explaining this to me. And the screenwriter said that he wanted their dialogue to be this very like, you know, old Hollywood, like charade, like all these old movies where it's just people being really snappy and witty and there's no stopping. You know, they're just like mm -hmm. reacting to each other right away. And I, I feel they did that perfectly. I love the yeah, train yeah. scene. I love every scene of them like together because you have to establish that she would, you know, trade in the money to let him live. Yet she's met him like two days ago. So you have to like go off on a really strong start to make the audience understand why she would do this much stuff for him, I feel. Right. So, yeah. Oh, also, Mads Mikkelsen's like wardrobe is amazing and it's so extra. Like when he's in <laughs> Uganda in the jungle and like the ground is just mud and he's not wearing combat boots or like a raincoat he's wearing like dress shoot and like a three-piece suit or whatever like oh my god dude such a bond villain i love it <laughs> yeah no like i i honestly um i loved when uh james and vespa were in the casino um they're uh, it, it just <laughs> It's just the, the the ridiculousness that happens when um, James is trying to do what he does, and Vespa's was like, "Dude, I don't I don't know if I can do this, man." Like, she has an extra five thousand or five million that she can lend Bond, like if he loses, and she doesn't do it. Like that's that's how strong of a character that she is. Is that like she's able to give him more money, but she will not. You know, and I think that's such like a, a great character development when it comes to like their relationship. It's like, no, like, I'm not just going to give you what you want. Like, I'm not going to like, just because you're crying and fucking throwing a fit right now, it doesn't mean I'm going to fucking give it to you. Oh, I hate that scene where he like calls her an idiot. I'm like, no, don't go back to your old ways. Like, why would uh, I kind of hate that they left it like that, that he that he calls her an idiot which because in that scene too she's also not giving him the money because she knows what will happen to him if he wins like he's tr she's trying to protect him yeah i i guess i'm just saying like it's i kind of wish that wasn't that because it makes for her to be an even stronger character yeah like, the yeah fact there's that so many layers like she's responsible she wants to do her job well. She's not going to mess around with government money. She also cares for him and wants to, like, protect him. Like, she she has a lot of agenda in that scene, and he, like, throws a fit, so. Uh, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, it, okay, so the thing, the thing that bugs me the most about this movie is that Vespa was actually... I wish she wasn't as involved with James as much as um, they make her out to be. You know, I really feel, I really want James to just feel duped, like vulnerable to the point where like everything that she said, everything that she was, the, everything that, that was her was completely false. What? Because, Why do you want that? 
But well, because okay, if you if you're trying to make a movie that's really kind of revolutionary as far as like the whole masculinity goes and femininity and like the roles that we play in society, like you very much hear like the Taylor Swift songs and you hear like these boys crushing these girls' hearts and just kind of being you know just just dismembered by just like their emotions, you know, just like how James is pretty much in the next film, like how he is just just wrecked out of control like i and you see like these boys just not give a fuck you know because you know fuck bitches make money kind of attitude you know i i honestly felt like have if they were to make vespa a very like yeah they want to portray this emotion and, and like be a double agent and just kind of but but mainly be that because i want her to ultimately not care about james because that's not her goal I don't know, but that's the story, though, is that these people started to care for each other. And it's like Bond finally has feelings enough that he yeah. wants to quit his job and send in a resignation letter without any punctuation. No, exactly. No, uh, that, I, I want that. I want whatever James is feeling. I want that to continue on. I want that devastation because it's it's a play on role reversal. Like you, you hardly see movies where the guy is devastated by a woman and the man being so masculine. Like, if you take the movie Her, like, the masculinity in that is not very, you know, prominent. <laughs> you know, if you take any, if you take, uh, let's see, um, what's the one with uh, Juno? The male, the male character is very not masculine. Like, you, these characters who the women don't really want to be with a male, like, these, these males are very much very not masculine. But to have a male that's masculine and muscular and the the epitome of what it is to be a man be so vulnerable and so devastated by a woman because he actually loved her, you know, I think that would have been a really great twist on what a, like of her character and her arc, you know, because yeah, she has other she she loves someone else. Yeah, but I guess she I guess she gets over that by the end. She lets that go. She's like, I'm gonna let the past go. I'm with James Bond now. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't know. Like, Does I don't. For you? It, it, that that's the part where it lost me. Like, I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is cool. Oh, she's double agent too. What? Oh, she's oh she's sacrificing everything so she can. Okay, okay, all right. Oh, the kissing scene. Okay. <laughs> I, I I've just seen it. I've just seen it so many times, and I've seen it in so many ways where like. You know, they have to, like, the love story, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I understand because you want to, you know, be, like, a, a James Bond movie, that there has to be some level of intimacy there, especially from the from the female. But I, I don't know. I, I wanted it to be more spy-oriented than, I guess, like relationship-oriented. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't know. I guess I just I was really into that. I I love the scene of him, for example, putting on the putting on the dinner jacket in his in the bathroom, the one that she got for him, um, because it's like we see Bond for the first time and in his like uniform. That's what we know Bond as. Right. Before this, he's been wearing mm -hmm. all these like different other outfits. And now he's like, this is him and him like looking himself in the mirrors. I just love that. It's like, oh, yeah, we're all here for it. That was a great scene, yeah. And then also, um, 
Vespa entering from the other side and the only person who's distracted is Bond when he wanted everybody else to be distracted by how great she looks. I, I love that. I think it's such a great little tidbit to get their like relationship going where he's like, oh, wait, what? It's my turn. Like, he's just so enamored with her. I just thought that was really cute. Mm. That was, that was, I like that. Like, being able to show off your woman is kind of, I think that's a great, a sign of a great relationship when you're proud of the other person. Of the other person. Yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah. You yeah. know, being able to be like, yeah, like I want, this is, oh, this is my person. This is, you know, my girlfriend. This is my boyfriend. Like, oh, like, you know, look at her. Like, yeah, I want you to come in. Like, don't feel, don't feel like I want, don't want you around. Right. I want you to, I want your presence to be known kind of thing. And that's, that's a great sign of a relationship. So Felix uh, Leiter, the the CIA agent, he's a very he's like his contact in the book. And so watching this movie for the first time, and he's a very prominent character throughout all the Bond novels, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Like I thought, oh, they're gonna leave that character out. Like I really liked Felix, and then suddenly I was like, wait a minute, that one guy has had one too many lines. Like he is more than an extra. And then when he stops him, like you know, grabs his hand and stops him from, like, stabbing Le Chiffre. I'm like, oh, my God, it is Felix. Like, I was right. Like, I thought that was such a cool little twist for even for people who read the story before. Like, Mm -hmm. they did that really, really well, even though the deal they make where he's like, oh, I get to bring in Le Chiffre, but you get to keep the money. And then Bond goes, don't you need the money? And he goes, no, the CIA doesn't need any money. I'm like, really? The U.S. just has like unlimited funds. Like I did it's not like, know fuck that. it. <laughs> if it costs a hundred million dollars, it costs a hundred million dollars. It's fine. <laughs> Guess what we're building? That's why we're building that wall, baby. It's like it's got tons of money. Uh, no, yeah, no. Felix actually was a great character, just because like I just I like I, well Jeffrey Wright. I feel is an amazing actor. I like his. The way he gets you to just kind of empathize and kind of root for him, you know, regardless of whether or not he is a good guy or a bad guy in a situation, he's yeah, he's, he's such a compl- yeah he's such a complimentary piece when it comes to James and Daniel Craig and them just kind of interact with each other like it's just I don't know I think it's I think where when they're together in in the casino I think that's magic because you kind of what I play poker a lot. And so that's why I like this Casino Royale is one of my favorite movies because Hold'em is primarily the game that I play. So having someone that you talk to and kind of like making small talk and stuff like that, it's part of the game because you uh, you want to be able to kind of pick up on little things and pick up on people's personalities fairly quickly. Huh. You know, so yeah, so like talking to like Felix is kind of one of those things where like I don't know if he's in it, if he's talking to him because he wants to get information from me or why is everyone getting the drinks I want to get? Like, are they trying to like flatter me so I can let my guard down? There's a lot of psychological warfare when it comes to poker. And so like the fact that he doesn't really make his presence or his, uh, his, uh, his character clear until later is just really cool because I honestly didn't know where he, I knew who the actor was. I just didn't know where he stood in like this, the spectrum of like whether he was going to be with, James or, or against James. But yeah, no, I, when it comes to the poker table, I think that's such an intimate scene when and such a psychological scene for everyone because 
it lets you in on a lot of what goes on on the poker table and what they're what's going on internally as well. But do you wish there would have been a little bit more of Bond winning because he figured something out or because he was bluffing or because the hand he wins with at the end is like, yeah, I would have won with that hand. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I could I could have done it. <laughs> yeah, no, like and there's there's a couple there's one other movie that um, that I like that's a poker oriented scene and, and it's hard like it's a what is it called um it's by it's by uh it's a uh, matt damon and he is a poker nut like he he he's he's really smart but his main thing is poker i forget what that movie is i'm I, i'm probably i'll think of it later but my point is that pulling off texas hold'em scenes is kind of difficult because my honest, my honest um, the best scenes I feel are the ones where you call a bluff. You know, yeah. when you when you feel like someone else is trying to uh, maneuver themselves in a way where like they're trying to manipulate who you are. Those are the best scenes, you know. And the fact that he lost, uh, I mean, yeah, like I feel like he should have. Like, I don't think a tell would have been good. I feel like just, I think a tell is too easy, huh. to be honest. If someone picks up on a tell, it's kind of like, for for people who play poker, it's kind of like shouting. It's like, I'm, I have this, or Got I don't it. have this. Okay, I wouldn't like, have known that, but that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so like, it's too easy. Like, all right, like, okay, so this person does this every time they, they uh, have a good hand or right. if they don't have a good hand. So it's like okay, well, like I, that that takes away a lot of the psychological warfare that becomes like poker. So yeah, I would have preferred him like kind of deducing as to what it is to call a bluff. So I'm gonna break it down just for a little bit. So when you're calling a bluff, you kind of have to understand what phases things go through. So in poker, um, you get the the flop, which is three cards, and so people behave a certain way. So the probability of either making a hand or that you already have a hand is going to come out in your, regardless in your eyes and your posture and the way you check your hands. It, it comes out in multitude of ways. So that's what you pay attention to. And then this, uh, the third or the fourth card comes out with, that's called the, the, the turn. So now you're now in this, in this kind of uh, scenario, you're telling a story. So wherever, however you behaved in, the, in the flop where the first three cards you have to continue that story that, you know if okay, you're i'm sorry i had no idea i had like a poker expert on right now this is fascinating like <laughs> yeah yeah sorry i've been actually i played poker for a really long time i had no clue okay. yeah before casino royale came out like even as a kid my, my dad uh, taught me how to play poker like at a really really young age that's concerning so, like, but uh go on no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> it's fine i drank some of his beer it's fine it's cool but <laughs> um and so because if you then change your behavior like that could tell the other people that this new card that the dealer put down like right like it's too easy yeah got it okay yeah exactly yeah exactly so like so the turn would tell me either okay if you established uh, like a clear way of like hey i have this kind of cards that i'm putting this much money down i'm very confident then the turn you should also be telling that story as well it's like you want to continue this you want to continue this bet it's going to cost you 
if you want to come along with this ride with me, guess what? Like right now, as of right now, I have the best hand. You might be able to hit a better hand or you feel like you have a better hand right now, but I guarantee you, you don't. And that's kind of the story you kind of tell when you, uh, when you play poker is like, what stories are you telling? Or if you are just kind of along for the ride, you're like, yeah, I'm just kind of, you know, waiting for my car, waiting for my chance. I feel like this much money can give me this much result. And then that's why when you hit like the river, like in the first, in the first instance, when they, uh, uh, James and uh, the chief uh, interact with each other. James is like, oh, I know that tell. I know what he is because he only had a pocket twos. And it was only until the last card that he had the winning hand. Right. So I had him. I knew what was going on. So that kind of that progression, I feel, would make a better storyline as far as telling a story about poker and like filling out how to make those kind of deductions. Just like in like a movie, you're you're telling a story which which every hand, and so the chief is a really good poker player, and so he got lucky. He knew he was lucky, and because he was twitching, he knew that shit. I'm fucked. Like if I don't make my if I don't make something right now, and so that's how we, like James kind of figured out. Okay, this is how he does it. This is how I know I can have him if he if he feels nervous. Because he can't control his eye because his eyes all fucked up. Yeah. But what I also love about the, at least in my opinion, they made these poker scenes very interesting. Like for each scene, they use different, like a style of shooting it from different angles. From So you always kind of knew where you were because people sitting around a table is not that interesting to film. And not only did they make yeah. it look really cool um, but then they also broke it up with all these, like the action scene in the staircase, the action scene where Bond is poisoned. Like they, it's not, they know how to pace it to keep you interested where you want to almost come back to the quiet of the, you know, poker table after all the excitement that just happened. Oh, oh, absolutely. Like I, I've been in poker situations where I've been playing for like, they even say like what we've been playing for four hours. Really? Like at one point, oh my god, yeah, yeah, like in in tournaments, you play all day. You play for eight hours, like ten hours. That's Jesus. why you, it's it's a it's a mental like marathon. marathon yeah, the, yeah. So you have to be able to kind of keep your cool, and that's why you know you hear people or poker players saying going on tilt. That means that your emotions have tilted your your uh, your way of thinking, and so you're not able to. Uh, conduct yourself in a way where it's strategic anymore so you pretty much like start fucking just you start gambling instead of playing strategically so that's why like when you in in the in california there are no casinos except for like in indian reservations but they are a car casinos and car casinos are legal because they're considered to be a skilled gamble like you're able to uh have a certain and you need to possess a certain skill or to deduce a certain amount of probability to in order to uh gamble pretty much it's not just like slots or roulette where chances everything you know Mm -hmm. it's considered like a sport almost and that's why you see it on espn like it's it's very much it's you know like you see why is anyone watching golf right now well there's a lot that goes into golf why is anyone watching poker well there's a lot of things that go into poker and only people who actually have a lot of experience would appreciate a lot of things that go into watching like a 30 minute session of poker 
because I know that I'm one of those guys. Got so yeah, it. this is by far one of my favorite scenes. And another scene I really love that breaks us up is the shower scene because it's so rare in action movies um, or crime procedurals to see a genuine human reaction to what has mm-hmm. just occurred. Um, yeah. And then also the way Bond deals with it where he doesn't try to pull her out of the shower or like pull yourself together. You know, he's just like joining her there. He's like turning on the heat of the shower and that's that's like their moment together. I, I don't know. I just yeah, really he, love that scene. I know. It's, it's beautiful because he, I feel like he understands it. He, I think he understands how that feels to kind of. And, and he's there like with a woman without, without turning it into something like weird or sexual the way we've seen in other Bond movies. Well, I mean, like, I mean, one, I could argue that him like kind of sucking on her fingers is a little sexual. But, but it doesn't go into like this scene doesn't escalate to them having sex in the shower. I guess is what I'm saying. You know, like no, it doesn't... like and I, yeah, and I feel like that's kind of like the point. Like that's as far as like the sexualization of that woman goes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I feel like her her vulnerability in the shower is as 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 far as James is willing to take it. You know he. And I think that's very admirable. And I think that's one of the things that this movie does really well is that he doesn't take advantage. Yeah, in this movie, <laughs> we yeah. won't talk about the last <laughs> movie where he's like casually raping people who just got back from a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking about Casino Royale. Yeah. Like that's right here. I think that's why this is like the best one of all of all of them is that there's such there's so much complexity that goes in with James and so much of a the gentleman and yet the the brute force that is yeah. you know the 007 you know that i really really appreciate i think that's why it's it's such an iconic movie because you have the elegancy of like james bond and tuxedo and you have you you, you uh compare that to like his brute force and his his uh recklessness and it's like okay so which one is he you know yeah. like the answer is both Yeah, in all the other Bond films, something that the writers pointed out is Bond doesn't really change. Like, he's a said character. And this is kind of the first time that they've made Bond go on an emotional journey and, you know, a journey of character development. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I I, I think it's amazing they, they, they took that route. Something you mentioned earlier, when he loses and Le Chiffre, like, wins that hand or wins that round, when he goes, you must have thought I was bluffing, Mr. Bond. It's such a great villain line. Like, and then he gets yeah. up with his winnings. Like, <laughs> oh, I just love it so much. And that's, you know, and that's that's part of it, too. That's part of poker. Because especially when you're, when you know you have the winning hand, when you know, it's called having the nuts. When you know you have the nuts, you want the other person to call. Because that means that your winnings are going to be exponentially more. So especially when you go all in and the other person's contemplating whether to call or not, you want to be able to kind of lure them in through some sort of acting, you know? And so the fact that he kind of manipulated himself to kind of feel like, all right, like I'm kind of, I'm nervous kind of thing. And then Bond picking up on that. I think that, that right there is the best scene in poker when it comes, when it comes to this movie. It's it's so that's that's what it is. That's all poker is is just trying to figure out what the other person is trying to do, 
you know, without even trying to look at their hands. You know, the hands ultimately uh, give the result of who wins and who loses, but f- trying to make them, trying to squeeze as much money out of them or to save as much money as you can through through a series of mistakes is pretty much what you need to be able to do when it comes to this in the sheaf. I don't care what the result was. I think the sheaf should have won that whole thing. Like, <laughs> the, the, the links he went to to get fucking rid of Bond. It's like, all right, I beat you in poker. I beat you in like psychological warfare. I try to poison you. Like, what does it take, man? No, I do need to say something about the car chase. That isn't a car chase because mm-hmm. it just ends yeah. with a crash really quickly. In the book, because Vesper works with Le Chiffre, there's just like spikes in the road. And that's what causes Bond's car to stop. And she also doesn't actually get tortured. Um, but then in the movie, Le Chiffre doesn't know that she's working for Mr. White. So her being in the road... The first time I watched this, I I screamed. Like, I was so startled that there was a person in the road because I was not expecting it. Oh, man. Right, because, like, who does that, right? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of fucking freak are you, man? Like, yeah, the chief's bad. Like, he is ruthless. But, like, in a sexy way, you know? (laughs) Because you know what it is? Because he doesn't scream. He's in control. Oh, he doesn't, Steve! He doesn't. He doesn't do anything to make it seem like he is like angry. I mean, you know he's angry, yeah. but he doesn't. He 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 is. He's in like control of his Elsa. Emotions. Can steal, don't feel right. Yeah, That's just like it. I'm just saying, like it, like the she. What makes a really great villain in my eyes when it comes to cinematic. Uh, uh, when it comes to cinema, I should say, uh, is the villain is not a screaming buffoon. Right. Those can be like those can be like the sub villains, the comic relief ones. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's if you don't want the focus to be on the villain, which I feel like a lot of movies, especially comic book movies, really fail on. But a really great villain oh, is one yeah. that is completely composed, that uh, is calculating, and you are fucking terrified whether or not they know enough information like you want the villain not to know what you know as an audience but that's always a struggle do they know do they not know is everything in control like is it it out of control like how much does the villain know what is what makes one a really a really great scary movie two a really great like movie just in general when it comes to villains and three just kind of like it's it's such a, a great ah, back and forth between good and yeah, evil. Yeah. So the um, Aston Martin flip actually set a world record back in 2006 for this stunt. And there was a dude in a car. This is, a, this is insane to me. The car flipped seven times. And they actually did really well trying to rehearse this with other cars. But then once they got the Aston Martin... The, because it's a sport car and it's so level, it evens itself out. So it would go up in the air, but then just come right back down. And they had to put like a, a pump, like a hydraulic thing in it to get it to start to flip. And I mean, it looks amazing. The car flips seven times. Like, yeah, ah. it's pretty fucking brutal. I had no idea that at the time this was the world record set by this movie. So 
I like I like action movies. Um, I'm totally okay with just kind of turning off my brain and just kind of going for the ride. And I actually did do a little bit of a research when it came to uh, that car flip. And yeah, like it was just it was a big thing back then too, because especially around movie producers to get something to look so realistic without using CGI was and like that's the great thing about movies right now is that good CGI. Uh, looks just as real as the real thing, but I, I, there's something about like having <laughs> a real Aston Martin flip in the air seven times that it just makes your jaw just drop. Um, the mission of this movie was to really step away from the gadgets and the explosions and the CGI and go back to real stunts, like real work, and showing you know the art of stunt work on screen. So. I, th- I think they, I think that was beautifully done. I think that's what really kind of kept me, especially as at that age, like so enthralled with what else is going to happen. Yeah. So the torture scene was my favorite scene in the book because at this point, Bond had been such a terrible human being that it was so satisfying to <laughs> like read about <laughs> him getting torture. I was like, yes, you deserve this. <laughs> Um, wow, Tabby. <laughs> that's how bad this book is. Um, because especially in the book, he his ability to have sex with women is what he builds his entire personality and masculinity around. So this was kind oh. of a big thing of, oh no, am I still gonna be a man after like my you know my genitals are smashed to bits? I don't know. They kind of do touch on that in the movie a little bit, but it's not not to the degree that they do in the book because I think we've moved on from that. Yeah, I feel we established uh, that James is very much a... Uh, his manhood doesn't extend... is not determined whether or not he has right. genitals or not. Right. Because he even, even the chief even says towards the end of that torture scene is that I'm going to feed you that which you don't care about. You know? He's like he's about to fucking just like fucking rip out his fucking genitals and feed it to him, like right then and there, and like he's like I don't care, man. Like you can you can fucking smash my shit as long as much as you want. The integrity of me being a man does not revolve around like whether or not I have a penis. It's man the way he takes it though, and he's like, they do show him like starting to cry, but I think he would. Br- or at least me, I would just break down and cry right away. Like he has all these like smart little fibs against Le Chiffre, and I'm like, oh god, I don't know if you'd be able to like get those out. <laughs> well, that's when that's I think that's what it means to be like the the masculinity that is being portrayed there. It's like I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction of oh, breaking me. It's the tough know? scene. Like, yeah, no, and like just and if anything, like I'm gonna make I'm gonna laugh about this, and I'm gonna and, and I'm gonna like have you scratch my balls on top yeah. of that you know like i like yeah like i i couldn't do that like there's no i i i fail to see any man being able to take that kind of punishment right. and then laugh about it and then also joke about that about right. that too but again it's a it's a fantasy you know the character of james bond and his level of oh yeah no i'm just saying like i'm just saying as far as, as far as any character i'm talking about any man yeah, in any kind of being. cinema that yeah. I could, yeah like it's like like in, in movies or not i i don't see any kind of other character taking that kind of punishment and being like that witty maybe tony stark 
but I feel like he wouldn't be able to take that much punishment. So what I find strange is they never comment on Vesper getting tortured. There's never a scene at the hospital where James is like, oh, by the way, how are you doing? Like, they never (laughs) talk about it. (laughs) You just hear her screaming in the other room, and then it's like, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm I'm fine. I'm here in my wheelchair. (laughs) That's all that matters. I don't know. I just find that bizarre. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, obviously she's a lot better off than James was. We don't know. We don't know what happened in there. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm determining that because she's walking around and like sitting on his lap and kind of being cutesy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that whatever happened to her wasn't as physically demanding as what happened to James just based on those characters uh, those those actions but you're right like I don't know what happened I don't know what she was getting like like you know electrocuted or anything like right. that like there's nothing you know <laughs> and I think I think that was on purpose too because like showing a woman getting tortured I think would I don't know I don't, I don't think the audience of 2006 was ready for that I don't know I think they're I mean they're fine with showing naked have naked ladies dead in the hammock uh there's a lot of violence but, that's a, but, the, but the deed is done the deed is like that's <laughs> you didn't see how it happened um so at the final the final scene the big reveal vesper has sort of betrayed him but sort of saved him bond when he is following her he just takes out like random people on the way and I'm like, you don't know who that was. That could have been another, like, MI6 agent or another. He's just, like, taking out people as he goes in Venice. And I'm like, oh, Bond. He, he, he sees red, man. He sees red. He's, like, fucking, he's going off. He's like, do not get in my way. Like, I don't care. I don't go fuck. I'm a little confused. So I'm a little confused, though, like, because I'm trying, I was trying to figure out how she really saved Bond. Can you explain that to me? Uh, so she traded in the money for his life, right? Yeah, but didn't like, but no, I, th- I thought that she was going to give the money anyway because they had her boyfriend captive, right? Uh, yeah, but she kind of gave up on that. That scene in the hotel way, she's like, she's not wearing the jewelry anymore. And she's like, that's behind me now. She's starting her new life with Bond. But it, that's so fucked up though <laughs> I don't know. okay so that whole scene kind of like kind of confused me and kind of like I don't, I, I don't know I don't buy it because okay so the sheaf gets taken out in like the worst way man like just like just whole, Mr. Way just coming in just like fucking a bullet to the head like after all that like you're just gonna Mr. Way just just fucking knocks him out. I'm like, tight. All right, well, I guess that's anticlimactic. But, and then, like, they let James live. So the parameters of, like, letting him live or not aren't really there, man. Like, I feel that I'm trying to figure out why they let them live. I I guess, yeah, I don't know. They would have talked to Vespa, and she would have been like, well, I'm not giving, I'm not gonna, because they need his password anyways. You yeah, know? exactly. The fact that, like, oh, well, like, I'm going to let you live, well, it doesn't really matter because they need him alive anyway. Oh, and yeah, so, given, 
so given so giving them money it's kind of like all right that's already part of what is going on because she's already in cahoots with them i guess she just didn't expect to fall in love with him though you know but yeah but i don't buy the whole like i i'm saving his life thing like i don't buy that at all i yeah like, i see what you're saying <laughs> like, i see what you're saying i mean yeah i mean like he she left the phone behind but at the same time like like the The whole scene of of her death is is so upsetting in general because like her performance underwater of drowning is is so magnificent but they were underwater for the exact same amount of time bond is like screaming and breathing out all his water yet he's like what he doesn't need any oxygen he then gets her out of the water (laughs) does like two and a half compressions and starts making out with her lifeless body. And I'm like, you're letting her die. That's not CPR. 30 compressions, two rescue breaths. And you keep going until they vomit up the water. Like what? It's so upsetting to me. First aid is always one of those things in movies where I'm like, that's not the truth. Like if they had showed at least like some quick cuts where I would have believed that he would have kept trying to resuscitate her, but nothing. I think I can maybe excuse that part because I think there's part of it that wants her to live, but also another part that wants her to die. Like, Don't say that. It's a beautiful like, love story. He doesn't want her to no, die. No, that's like... <laughs> that's what I mean, man. Like, I don't want... I honestly don't want this for Bond. I don't want him to feel like... You don't want him to be happy, Steve. I don't, I don't want him to have a, like, a chance for love. That's not who James Bond is. Like he is a tortured human being who looks at people as though they're uh, commodities or just like pieces in a chest. But his humanity has been through so much, and the fact that he doesn't want to be part of it is why he's a spy. The fact that he loves it, it takes away from what is James Bond. You know, the the ability to be tactful, the ability to you know, take emotion out of this, out of the equation. You got what you wanted in the end, though, because he just goes back to being stone cold. He doesn't trust <laughs> anyone. Good. <laughs> That's how he's supposed to be. <laughs> if he trusts everyone, then he's not a good spy. <laughs> that's why I think that's why he just kind of like does just does what he does because he trusts that M's going to be able to like get, get him out of it. But what makes James Bond is amazing is that he is on his own. There's no, it's not James Bond and like the fucking MIT sex, whatever it is. Like, like there's no, there's no supporting cast. Like the only people he really kind of uh, uh, needs is Q because of technology, because of because of what he can do for him, and then because he she sets him off on these missions. Like, give me a gun, give me the target. That's all I need. That's all James Bond is rudimentary supposed to be i guess i mean i see what you're saying i just i think personally it's more interesting to have that um emotional if failed emotional aspect to him where he like tries to reach out to somebody and well that's 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 what i want but that's what that's what i'm saying like this i want that for him not not in this movie because it's because it's a building who he is but i ultimately wanted him to feel that he cannot trust anyone Terrible. no matter how yeah Terrible, Steve. <laughs> um, i do want to point out that she puts on her red dress without a bra and then at the end of the movie when she's drowned she is wearing a bra so 
she probably like yeah, sure. put it on at the bank. I don't know. She's like, excuse me, do you have a bathroom? Forgot to put my bra on. Uh, <laughs> look, I need to look decent. Like, I'm not going to look like a hussy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't really paying attention to that. You hear that, babe? I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to if Vespa was wearing a bra. That's, that's not how I look at things. As a as a bartender, do you think that scene is annoying where he orders the drink? Part of me thinks it's a oh. little annoying. Oh, it's absolutely annoying. Let me let me just kind of give you a little history as to why James Bond orders his fucking martini sir, shaken sir, up. Sir, sir, can you order off the menu, please? Here you go, sir. <laughs> Actually, to this, to that, I don't have that, bro. <laughs> I don't have golden schmagging, whatever it is you just fucking said. We don't have Lilith wine, sir. Yeah, little Lilith. What is that? Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's a it's a multi-million dollar fucking casino. So I would assume they'd have some. I guess maybe I don't know. Like how how fucking random is that though? Like Lilith wine. Get the fuck out of here. In but the, anyways, but in the book. <laughs> Even the bartender like is like, oh wow, good, what a great! I wish I was a mixologist like you, sir. Like he puts in the drink <laughs> order, and the barman is like nods in approval, like, wow. Okay, so like there's there are some times when someone orders a drink, and I'm like, oh, that actually sounds really fucking good, you know? Like there are there are times when like I do do that. Is it like, equal measure vodka as- and gin and Lilith wine and a thin slice of lemon? Is that the drink? Oh, if someone said like a thin slice of lemon, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Like, (laughs) what do you mean a thin slice of fucking of lemon? You mean a peel? In the movie, I think it is a peel. Yeah. It's very unappealing of you, sir. (laughs) But no, like, um, as as a bartender, like, if it's actually kind of helpful. Like say like did have all those ingredients, right? And I knew everything in my bar, which I kind of do. If someone told me like, I know, oh, can you do this with this much wine, uh, this much, that much, and that much? I'd be like, yeah, for sure. Makes it super easy. It's a lot better than fucking saying like, oh, I had this one drink in fucking Madagascar and like it was amazing. It tasted like bananas, but still had some kind of uh, lemony after. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> <laughs> That shit's annoying. That I want to like be like, go go home to your Applebee's and your <laughs> Baskin Robbins. Don't that don't bring that shit here. So like those kind of drinks, I I do it because I do love um, alcohol. Uh, not to the point where like I want to drink every day, but I'm willing to pay like fifteen twenty dollars for a drink if it's handcrafted well at a bar. You know, I've done that. Because I appreciate the mixology that goes into it, and I appreciate everything else that that goes into like how a drink is prepared. You know, that's why you see me like kind of doing that kind of spasm of a shake I do whenever I'm bartending. Because Steve has a Steve has a special trick where he throws a piece of fruit in the air and then tries to catch it in the shaker behind him. It has about a five percent success rate. Um... But when it when it happens, oh my god, no one looks. No one looks. And I'm like, sick, dude. All right. Well, anyways. <laughs> um, so so James Bond is is made out to be like this bad boy, right? This guy who kind of does his own thing. Uh, I think it was in the 1960s. 
where James Bond ordered his uh, martinis shaken, not stirred. Well, back in the day, martinis were only stirred. Yeah. That's because that's because you want the vodka to uh, just be able to uh, be tasted like vodka. You don't want like watered or little ice pieces in there because it kind of compromises the taste and bruises the alcohol a little bit. So that's why you see like martinis kind of have like that smooth, like kind of velvety look to them whenever you see them like in movies or whatever, because they're supposed to be stirred. Uh, shaken means like they, you're going to shake the shit out of it. And so you're going to have chilled. Yeah. You're going to have it chilled. You're going to have it look cloudy. You're going to like, you're, there's a lot of things that go on with it. Martinis now aren't really like martinis back then. Like we have this one drink called an Asian pear. That shit is not a martini. That is a cocktail. Like, cause a cocktail has multiple ingredients into it. And so by, by the time I'm done with it, I've had six ingredients yeah. uh, in that cocktail. And so it's not, it, we call it a martini, but it's just because it's in a martini glass. Like, we call a lot of things the but, martini that have A and O vermouth in it and yeah, be our cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. But that's that's pretty much the history with uh, James Bond because he he always is shaken because he doesn't do things like how normally you do things. I do like that line in the movie where he's where the bartender's like, shaken or stirred and Bond's like, Do I look like I give a damn? I, I don't know. I I like that. <laughs> It's like a little that, that, yeah, that was actually that was actually that was perfect. See, that I feel is a great homage to a James Bond of the past. Yeah. yeah. Because because that's a great line, like shaken or stirred. You know, and so This new Bond does not care. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. New Bond's like, just give me the fucking drink. <laughs> like which preys into his character because like he doesn't care how you make it, just fucking make it. Except when it comes to that casino scene. Apparently he needs like fucking Belvita wine. I've I've had somebody order that when I was a, when I was working as a bartender, and I was like, I don't have I don't have Lilith wine, and the guy goes, oh, Okay, I guess I'll get something else. And I'm like, Where where have you ordered this drink? Because like I don't have. I don't know when you, whenever you put a martini or whenever you mix wine into a martini, I just feel like that's gonna be like a mistake. <laughs> And apparently, and apparently, like Lola wine is only like fit like twenty bucks. By the way, huh? It's not even that a high class like wine either. It's like it's like buying like like a dark horse Merlot <laughs> <laughs> or something out, like out of Seven Eleven. <laughs> like, yeah, just give me the little wine, like that twenty dollar one. You want that in your like fucking your Grey Goose? <laughs> Yeah, you're fucking trash bag. Get out of here. <laughs> God, I can't, I can't stand people sometimes. Um, but those are really all my notes about the movie. Do you have anything else? Uh, I, I'm just really upset how Lashif just fucking just got taken out. That's honestly like my my fucking biggest take on that. It's like, and by like a like a I don't know by a character who i don't know yeah also where was felix why wasn't felix there wasn't he gonna take in lashifa he's like where we got to take him in where are you felix yeah no exactly like oh yeah i wonder fucking like what the fuck happened bro like where did that plan go (laughs) like what like he like it's like oh my pleasure like okay cool okay (laughs) bond's typing up a bad yelp review of the cia in his his (laughs) hospital bed i gave lashif to the CIA and a hand basket and <laughs> my balls 
Never felt the same again. <laughs> Let me explain. Oh, God. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, honestly, like, okay, so of all the Bond villains, I think Lashiva is probably the best one that that kind of displays a sense of calm and and uh but still like a sense of urgency like he understands that he needs to be able to uh accomplish his goals but in a way where it's uh it's it's rude but not in a way where it's like villainous you know if you get what i'm saying you know he's trying to get to point from point a to point b but he's doing it in a way where he's not going to fucking explode he's he's not going to take the bond approach pretty much like like honestly, if you saw a villain that did what Bond did, you'd be like, "All right, bro, calm the fuck down. <laughs> Stop killing all of Madagascar." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just, I just feel like when it comes to Bond, like I think when it comes to good guys in general, we give them a big pass. Yeah. As far as like what they're able to do and how they and how they're able to behave, and I feel that in a lot of movies we give the same kind of uh, wiggle room to villains. And it just doesn't translate well. With that said, Lashif is probably the best villain in all the Bond films. And James, I just hope he just lives in that tortured little box of his, knowing that he can't trust anyone. (laughs) So dark. Good. (laughs) Save the world already. Fuck. (laughs) Stop falling in love. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Um, you can find um, Modern Life at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Um, Steve, thanks so much for joining me for this one. Absolutely, absolutely. Just to let you know that I'm going to be doing a bunch of little segments called Wookiee Wednesday, Wednesday <laughs> on my Instagram page. It's going to be amazing, guys. Uh, my uh, my tag is S T E S A L underscore Unity. That's right. Wookie onesie onesies. But coming at you. You should spell onesie with a W though. No, is ah, it? Am I genius? <laughs> Gee, no, that's because I won it. <laughs> Wookie onesie Wednesdays. <laughs> www hashtag. I'm ridiculous. All right, thank you so much, Chef. Thank you.